Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Investors, as we all know, financing deals can be very challenging. If you are looking for funding for your next real estate transaction, we want to introduce you to Fund That Flip. Fund That Flip is a lender that gets you fast, affordable capital on your one to four unit projects, including single family rental and new construction. Ladies, we have known the founder, Matt, and his company for many years, and they are the real deal. So Andressa, where can they learn more? Ladies, if you're looking for great terms and reliable service, check out fundaflip.com backslash investor. 1031 exchanges is one of the best ways to save big on taxes and real estate investing. On today's episode, we break this process down with an amazing leader in the industry, Margot McDonald. Since 1994, Margot has been the president and CEO of 1031 Corp. She's a certified exchange specialist with over two decades of experience in the industry and has been involved in thousands of exchange transactions. On today's episode, we discuss a ton with Margot from how to best utilize a 1031 exchange, how to avoid mistakes with this strategy, how to actually vet a custodian of your money, how to use this process to achieve your long-term goals, and how she balances it all. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where we're focused on helping women investors take more control of their finances, their, their real estate investing, and most importantly, their life. So really excited about what we're up to here. And uh, thanks for being with us on another great show. We have a great guest. Hi, Margot. Thanks for being on our show. Thanks for having me. We're going to jump into Margot's story in a moment and all the really cool things that she's up to. Uh, before we do that, we like to kind of get connected with all you ladies listening because you're yeah. fantastic women that we love connecting with, even though it's kind of virtual. Um, <laughs> Andressa, what, what are you up to? How are things going? You know that you're mentioning like this virtual thing is so funny because on our meetups, they come to me and some of them talk to me as we've we already knew each other. He's <laughs> right? like, oh my gosh, I, I hear your voice. I know who you are. I was like, sure. yeah. like, that's so strange, but that's cool. What I want to talk to you about is our Facebook community. We're growing and the more that we grow, the more that we get support from each other. And I always encourage them to post their struggles and everything. And recently, one of our members, she posted that she's struggling with discipline. And then we were talking more about it and she was requesting a couple of uh, recommendations for books and things like that. And I just gave her my unrequested <laughs> opinion, <laughs> opinion as usual. So <laughs> my, my thoughts were, if you have a future, something that really, really excites you that you cannot wait. You know, when it's like Christmas that you cannot even sleep because you want to, yeah. you know, get there or, or you have a, a trip that you're like so, so excited. Yeah. You could care less if you need to run two loads of laundry at midnight because the other day you were traveling to Hawaii and it's so excited. So I was telling her, if you create that type that, of excitement, that type of excitement, mm -hmm. you, you, will, you will get the discipline and the focus to, to get that. But you've got to figure out what it is that brings you joy, that makes you like 
pull out of your bed at 4 or 5 a.m., what that is. What that is. Because so, I, I look back at me, um, the things that excite me, I, I don't get tired of researching, learning more about it. And I, I'm sure Margo, about 1031, she can talk and she's so excited about it, right? So for the ladies that are listening to us, think about the things that you would do for free. You would like get a lot of joy out of it and, and, and focus on that. And then the rest is just systems that you can implement to execute. So yeah. the, the, the books and the strategies will just be strategies and, and processes that you can, yeah. but without that clear purpose, it is just, you know, up in the air. Yeah. No, that's a great point, Andressa, because, you know, sometimes people really feel like discipline. I know for myself, you feel like it's drudgery. Like it's, oh, I got to do this. I got to analyze 10 deals. Well, how can you get excited about this? Or are you even focused on the right thing? If you're feeling like it's drudgery, maybe this is not the right focus yeah. for you or the right area of investing. So it's a great point. Uh, yeah. Good reminder for all of us. So thank you for that. Uh, so without further ado, um, Margot, thanks again for being on our show. And uh, as we like to do with all the ladies, fantastic ladies that we have on our show, we'd like to kind of get connected to what pulled them into this, you know, business. Uh, and I know your business for the last 25 years has been, you know, 1031 yeah. exchanges. So I'm curious, you know, how did that come about? You know, what, what got you started in this, you know, focus in this niche business? You know, honestly, Liz, it, there's no fancy story behind it. If you think back to 25 years ago, the way we found a job was we opened up the Philadelphia Inquirer. We looked through all those classified ads. And I remember seeing this um, job posting for, um, you know, it said, use your management and your accounting skills. And, um, and I didn't really have any idea what it was about. And I remember going to the first interview and, and leaving there saying, what is this 1031 exchange thing? I don't really know. This was life before the internet. And I remember going to the free library in Philadelphia and trying to do a whole bunch of research on it. And that was no fun either with the cat ca uh, card catalogs and the librarian wow. helping me. Um, but once I started doing it, um, you know, they kind of handed me a bunch of books and said, all right, here's all your info. And it was just like we had talked about. If it was something that you were interested in, it wasn't work to research it and to study it and to learn as much as you can about it. And for me, one of the things that was very helpful the following year was getting involved in our National Trade Association mm -hmm. and um, started attending their conferences and quickly got involved in their leadership. And for me, that just was really the icing on the cake and, and gave me a nice network of colleagues across the country that had a whole bunch more experience than me. Um, so now I kind of give back and I'm, I like to be the one that, that can reach out and help some of our our newer 1031 folks in the industry. And um, so not really a fancy story, but um, has worked out really well and love what I do. Great. So, so for the ladies that are listening to us, that some of them have some very basic or superficial idea about 1031 exchange. Can we break down like 101 for them what it sure. is? Sure. And I think that 1031 is way simpler than everybody thinks it is. So it's really the whole idea behind 1031 is continuity of investment. And it allows you to defer the gain when you sell one property held for business use or investment 
and exchange it for another one held for business use or investment. And you get to defer the gain as well as the depreciation recapture. As long as you buy something that's of equal or greater value and you reinvest all of your net equity. And it's really like a sale followed by a purchase linked together by paperwork and completed within those timelines. But it's a, a really pretty simple, uh, it's a pretty simple process. Yeah. And um, for those that are invested in real estate, it's a way to buy your next property using pre-tax dollars. And it's that opportunity to grow what you have without paying the capital gains along the way. Yeah. Yeah, no, 1031 exchanges are, are fantastic. We, you know, we've, we've used them. And then, you know, last year, I shared this on a previous episode, we, you know, we actually ended up not going through that story. That's a whole other episode. But we ended up, um, <laughs> the custodian ended up uh, being like a, a, a mini birdie made off, you know, and ended up taking all the money that people gave. Oh, so yeah. very interesting and very tough situation. But my question to you right. is about custodians. You know, yeah. how regulated is this business? So, you know, if I'm a person, I'm a woman listening and I want to, you know, find a 1031 exchange. Is that the correct term? Is it a custodian? Is it, it's, it's a company that's holding your money until you're ready right. Right. So, but there, it's like the wild, wild west. I mean, we found this guy seemed very legit, you know, um, transferred the money to him once we'd sold our one building in Philadelphia and lo and behold, you know, he was running a, a Ponzi scheme and, and, and we were in the middle of that situation, but neither here nor there for you. And for what would you recommend to the ladies listening about the custodians? They, they okay, try sure. to, you know, vet and is it regulated and why don't, why don't banks just do this? That's my curiosity is. <laughs> But anyway, that, those are multiple questions, but I'm curious about the, right. the custodians. Okay, Liz, that's a great question. And I know if it were me and my money, I would be really concerned about that. So our role is actually called a qualified intermediary. And in order to be qualified, we cannot be an agent of the taxpayer. So we cannot be your accountant, your real estate professional, your attorney, your financial advisor, or a close relative, an employee, or a partner. So we truly have to be an independent party. But it is important that you do your homework and, and when you're picking that company that is not only going to guide you throughout the 1031 process, but also hold your funds. Um, our industry is largely unregulated. There's probably about 12 or 13 states that do now regulate us. Oh, okay. But the rules, that they, or the requirements they have in place are not very stringent. Um, it's minimal insurance requirements and fidelity bond, things like that. So I would always suggest a couple of things. One is look for um, an organization that's been around for a while, right? Um, don't pick a one-person shop because one person means there's no control over the funds. And what happens if something happens to that one person? How is your money going to get wired out for your closing? So you want to look for a bigger organization. Make sure they have a fidelity bond in place. Make sure they have E&O. And unfortunately today, cyber coverage because there's a lot of wire fraud when it comes mm. to real estate transactions. Good today. point. But you also want to, I would recommend looking for a member of the Federation of Exchange Accommodators, which is the National 1031 Trade Association. It's just 1031.org. And that way, at least their members have gone through a background check. They, they're required to adhere to a code of ethics. And you know we're forced to do a little bit of self-policing, but I think we do a pretty good job of that. Um, and uh, you can also look for those that hold the Certified Exchange Specialist designation, 
and you could go to ces1031.org. Um, there's probably about 150 of us in the country, but those of us who have that designation have demonstrated through independent third-party testing. Our knowledge of 1031 and its facilitation, we're bound by that code of ethics and we have to do um, continuing ed every two years. Oh, wow. So there's a couple of things, but there are ways that you could put additional security on your fund. You talked about why can't the banks do it? Well, the banks don't know all the rules about 1031. So you do want that, that good qualified intermediary or QI. But what you could do is ask the qualified intermediary to set up a qualified trust which would be a th or a qualified escrow, either either or. And that would be a three-party agreement between the qualified intermediary, the exchanger, and the bank. And it would require the exchanger and the qualified intermediary to give written authorization to the bank, and the bank would actually move the funds. Mm. And the, the other nice thing about that is the bankruptcy courts have ruled that if they're set up that way, that those accounts are not property, are, are not sucked into a bankruptcy estate mm. in the event the QI file for bankruptcy. And what is that process called when it's you, the intermediary, and then the, the bank? qualified escrow. Qualified escrow. Okay. That's neat. I've never yes. heard of that. Yes. And you should be able to do it at no additional cost. Wow. So if we, if we look, take a step back and look at the entire process, when does an investor needs to start the paperwork for the 1031 exchange. Okay. When does well, that happen? I usually say that you should call your qualified intermediary anytime you have questions anywhere in the planning process. Sometimes I talk to my clients for years before they pull the trigger on their first 1031 exchange. Got it. But once you have a signed contract with your buyer, then I suggest that's when you set up your 1031 exchange. It could be set up all the way as late as sitting at the closing table, but once closing has taken place, it's too late to do anything. Got it. And how long is the process? How long one, once the property is sold, how long does the investor have to uh, reinvest the, the, okay. the gains? Sure. So there are actually two timelines we have to worry about, and they both start with the sale of your first property. When you go to that first closing, even if you wanted to sell two or three properties, everything starts with the first, the first closing. And you have 45 days from closing to identify in writing properties you're interested in purchasing. And running at the same time, you have 180 days to actually take title to that. So in those first 45 days, you don't need to have the property under contract in order to identify it. Um, to identify it, you simply fill out a form letter I give you. You could write it on a napkin, to be perfectly honest, but it has to be signed and dated and sent to your qualified intermediary by midnight of the 45th day. Um, as I said, it doesn't have to be under contract, but with today's real estate market and, and such a great, strong market, if you identify something today and it's your 45th day, it's not under contract, there's no guarantee you'll get it. So the best advice is to get out there and start looking for replacement property as soon as your property goes on the market. And that way, you're maximizing that time. You know, Margo, the fact that you've been doing yeah. this for, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say the second time period is you have 180 days to buy everything that you want to buy. So if you wanted to sell two and buy one, you want to sell both of them first and then take title to that new property. Got it. 
Just a follow-up question to that though. If you're in that 180, you've identified the property, you know, you've gotten your, um, your offer has been accepted. Now you're, okay. you know, full steam ahead to the 180 day, you know, kind of uh, due date, so to speak, where you're, you're getting to clo- going to your closing. What happens if the deal falls through, you know, on that 169th day, you know, like, is there right, any right. kind of assurance that the person, because then, then it gives them what, like 30 days or less to, to then get another property. And, you know, right. it's, it's, that's tough, right? So, so, yeah, what right. so Liz, once you pass that 45 day mark and you've identified properties, potential replacement properties, you can't change that list. Uh-huh. So once you pass, that's why I really suggest trying to get that replacement property locked up before you go to closing on your old property yeah. or before the end of the 45 days. And one of the trends that we're seeing now with such such a great real estate market is that people are doing just that because let's face it none of us want to give up our old property unless we know we have something better to invest in sure so we are we're seeing a typical exchange lasting uh, 43 days now so they're selling on day one and they're buying within the first 43 days because they've done their homework and they have everything lined up but once that 45th day passes and if they have something that is not under contract and they can't get it, unfortunately, there's no way to go back and identify anything else. So what would happen in that situation is we'd have to wait until the end of the 180 days, and then we would release your funds plus the interest earnings, and it becomes a taxable event. Hmm. In the event that um, when you do an exchange, you have to report it on your tax return for the year in which you sold your first property. Right. So if you sold today, um, your 45th day would be, um, try to think really quickly, probably the beginning of January, but your 180th day is going to be somewhere in May. And that's after April 15th when you'd have to file your return. Right. So you'd file for an extension, which would give you until the end of October to file your return, but it would give you your full 180 days. But if for whatever reason you weren't able to complete that exchange, because you didn't actually receive any of the funds, in 2018, on your 2018 return, you could actually report it as an installment sale, mm. not pay any gain, and then report the gain next year, next year, which would give you a little bit of time to plan for it, work with your accountant to minimize the, that tax hit then. Got Do it. Do you so, work with the accountant very closely? Um, we usually don't. We're always available for questions, oh. but we will... With our company, at least, we'll make sure we send uh, regular reminders about filing for that extension. We'll give them some some information to help them with the reporting of that. And if their accountants have any questions, we're happy to answer those questions. We can send duplicate copies of all of your pertinent exchange documentation, whatever will make it easier for you and your tax advisor. Just have a quick question about the, the part that you identify a property. So once you identify a property, you cannot substitute or say, oh, no, I want something else. You cannot do that. Not after midnight of the 45th day. Got but it. the rules say you can identify several properties. Okay. So you could list three different properties, and it doesn't matter what their combined fair market value is. So, for example, if you sold for $300,000 and you wanted to identify three properties, even though you're only going to buy one, they could have a combined value of a million dollars if you want. But if you wanted to identify four or more, there's a crazy 200% rule, which says, take your old property, double it. That's 200%. 
and all the properties you identify, if there's four or more, cannot equal more than 200% the old property. Mm. So in that situation, you would be locked into identifying four or more properties with a combined value of less than $600,000. But if you identify three, then it, the sky's the limit as, as far as the combined fair market value. So a good piece of advice is try to get something under contract in those 45 days and then give yourself a backup if you want it. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And when identifying, let's say I, I just sold a single family house and do I need to look for another single family or can I, can I purchase a duplex? How similar they need to be in terms of their zoning or, or market value? That's a great question because one of the, it's probably one of the biggest misconceptions with 1031 exchanges because they're referred to as a like-kind exchange. But like-kind refers to the nature or the character of the property, not the specific type of property. Mm. So if you sell that single-family home, which, by the way, is the, the most frequently exchanged piece of real estate out there, you can buy any kind of real estate from vacant land to a shopping center to a farm yeah. to 10 condos. You have lots of flexibility, and because it's part of the federal tax code, you can buy and sell anywhere in the U.S. And to that, to, to that point, too, from a follow-up, if you buy, if you have single, the single-family home in 123 one, Main Street, LLC, and, you know, the new property is going to be 143, you know, Sally Lane, uh, does that matter at all? The, the type of, you know, the actual entities you're buying these? Right. So there, there is a same taxpayer mm. or same owner requirement. So if the old property was held by that LLC, if that's a single member LLC, you have a little bit of flexibility because you, you can look down to the disregarded, you know, the sole member of that LLC. So that replacement property could be taken in the name of that sole member or that LLC or a newly formed single member LLC, as long as the old one and the new one have the same underlying taxpayer. Okay. But if it's, okay. if it's like a group of investors and you buy it, you know, uh, the, you know, you bought the first property that you're, you're selling and you're going to be 1031 exchanging into a new one, you have to then now use that same entity, correct? Right. If you have an entity, yes, an that entity. is the key. Okay. And now you could get a little bit creative. And if you had that situation, you could potentially buy out some of the investors in that entity. Those that are exiting could not 1031 it because they're not selling real property. They're selling an interest in a partnership or, an, mm. or a membership interest mm. in LLC. But the entity could then move forward and do a 1031 and defer all the gains. Okay. Wow. Great. And, and Marga, what are the costs to do a 1031 exchange? I would say a typical, um, with our company, if you're selling for a million dollars, we're going to charge you $1,250. It's a flat fee. You're going to see fees range a little bit. Um, and I would say don't always go by the fee, right? Mm -hmm. Don't just choose a company because they're the low price leader out there because you want to make sure that they have all the safeguards in place to protect your funds. That they have the expertise that it's not just someone sitting at their kitchen table or their basement doing this as a side business. You want to make sure that right, you're putting all your money with these people. You're, you're trusting them to make sure that you can defer all the gains. Um, I would say do your homework, make sure the company is reputable, they've been in business, check some references, feel free to do that. But I would say a good, a good range of fees, 
is going to be somewhere between a thousand fifteen hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. No, that's a great point. So, you know, with all the investors you work with, you've been doing this for 25 years. I'm sure you've seen a lot of seasoned investors. I'm sure you've seen a lot of newbies, right? You probably began it because really, really 1031 exchanges apply to all investors, right? It's not like you get to a certain point, you're like, well, I don't do that anymore. It's it's applicable to everybody. So what have you found to be the biggest mistakes that investors make when they're, they're going through this process or they're looking to go, they're preparing to go through it, or just really going through it. I mean, there's got to be common mistakes that, you know, ladies listening can be like, okay, I'm going to avoid <laughs> those mistakes because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a simple process, but it's still a process that, you know, mistakes can right. be had, like you were saying earlier. So what have you found to be the most common ones that you've come across with investors? I would say um, right now, the biggest, the biggest thing that we see is people identifying property on day 45 and they're just sort of picking it off an MLS or a list and they may be working with a professional and they narrow it down to three to list but they don't have any under contract and with today's real estate market there's a good chance they won't get any of those and it's really just that lack of planning the good thing though is that women <laughs> especially <laughs> successful women are planners that's right. And they do their homework. And we find Amen, that they tend, to, they tend to have everything lined up and ready to go because they are going to make sure they have something bigger and better. And they're going to have that all locked up before they're ready to pull the trigger and initiate their 1031 exchange. So I would say that um, I do sometimes run into people that call us and they talk to us in their planning stages. And then they, they do find a different company online that's a lower price. And then they tend to call us and ask us questions along the way because they're not getting that, that hand-holding that they thought they would get along the way. Wow. Um, so, I, you know, so I would say locking up something in the 45-day identification period and really doing your homework before you pick the qualified intermediary and don't just price it on or base it on fees. I can't agree with that more. I, you know, what's funny is that when we vetted this other company, I wish, wish we knew you, Margo, about a year ago. <laughs> but I you know, talk to you more about this afterwards. <laughs> oh, please! I love to tell you. You know, you know who we'll be using for our next ten thirty one exchange. But, <laughs> you know, it's so funny you say that about going with a company that you get service from and that you can build a relationship with. And I think people think of this as a transaction, right? They're, they're buying, they're selling a property, they're rolling their gain, you know, their gains into the new property. Who, what kind of relationship do you need? They may be thinking, or some investors might be thinking, but to your point, there's so many, there's so many things that are connected to this topic, right? Taxes, so many things yeah. so, like you're mentioning. So your, your point is so well taken that if a company is not going to be like an actual partner and be there for you and everything, um, don't go with the, I actually just discount whoever's the lowest. If you vet three companies out, I mean, <laughs> just yeah. let go of them. I'm, I can't tell you that because when we had vetted a few companies out, unfortunately, you know, cost was something that we're like, you know, you want something, you know, every, every investor wants something cheap. Who doesn't, right? That, that's okay. our game. That's sure. Sure. But unfortunately, this is not something that um, you should go with, with right. someone that's the affordable option. Um, now, that's a great point. 
Yeah, I want to you know, pick back very quick on, on what Liz is saying, because you wrote something very interesting on, on your bio about the benefits, because we talked about the benefits, the tax benefits about it, but here's what you said. I don't want them to just um, 1031 to defer their gain. I want them to understand the power of that deferred strategy and how it can help them understand um, and accomplish their long-term investments objectives. So for the folks that are listening to us, it's just not about that simple exchange and defer the gain. What are the, what are several right impacts that that has in the business as a whole? Sure. So I actually just wrote um, an article for our chamber of commerce talking about um, using 1031 as a way to accomplish your goals in, mm. in 2019. If you have investment property and just throwing out some of the ways that you could benefit from 1031, if you have an investment property that you've owned for a long time, take a lot of depreciation, maybe it's not so close to home anymore. Maybe it's, it's getting older and a lot of maintenance. 1031 lets you reinvest in something that will create a, a better cash flow for you be easier to manage. Um, it's a way to buy a property um, that you could relocate your business into. Maybe your business is housed in a location that just doesn't work anymore. It's too big, it's too small, it's not the ideal location. You could use 1031 to, um, to buy that new location. And while 1031 no longer applies to personal property, such as um, capital assets for your business, like furniture, fixtures, and equipment. Under the new tax law, when you sell, you have to recapture your depreciation. But when you buy new furniture, fixtures, and equipment, and other assets for your business, you can immediately expense them 100% year one. So moving your business to a better location and then taking advantage of immediate expensing is huge now for business owners. If you're that business owner and you've done really well and you want to sell your business, and you have some real estate attached to it, it's a way, it's a great exit strategy because you could sell that business location to the new owner and use your proceeds to buy some income producing property so that you have nice steady cash flow coming in during retirement. It's a way to um, buy something that creates a greater cash flow. It's a way to diversify your assets. Maybe you acquire three or four or five or six single family rental homes over the years, and you'd rather consolidate some of those and buy a multi-unit apartment building. Or maybe you always dreamed about having a vacation home at the Jersey Shore, and you just don't have the means to do it. Maybe you can exchange one of your rental properties for a rental property at the Jersey Shore. The, rent, the vacation home doesn't qualify for 1031 treatment, but you could buy a rental there and rent it out for a few years. You can still use it two weeks of the year for fun, um, but then after two years, if maybe year three or year four, you wanted to start using that property more for personal use, or 100% of the time, you could do that. Or maybe you're thinking about retiring, or you, or you want to be a snowbird. You could exchange one of your investment properties for one in Florida, and then eventually after two years, move into that one, make it your primary residence, and you could sell your primary residence in New Jersey or Pennsylvania or wherever it is. And if you've lived there for at least two of the last five years, 
If you're single, you're able to exclude up to $250,000 of gain. And if you're married filing jointly, that's $500,000 of gain. So there's a lot of things you could do with 1031. And you may not be able to go from here directly to what that goal is, but it could be a stepping stone to help you get there. Margo, as I, as I hear you talk about 1031 exchanges and, and you know, being, being in this business, you, most real estate investors have heard of it, right? Even if they don't know all the dates and timeframes, they understand the, con- the conceptual, right? Or they at least get it. They've heard it before. But if you ask an average person, you know, uh, tell me what a 1031 exchange is. <laughs> They're going to be like, what are you talking about? And I'm, and, I'm, right. and I'm thinking about it as I'm hearing you talk about, like, this is something like, you know, tax strategies, like this has got to be like one of the best ways to, you know, to grow your wealth and to like just defer, you know, a big amount of money. So I'm just curious, why, why doesn't the average person know about 1031 exchanges? It just kind of baffles me. Like how, how did they get missed along the way of just basic knowledge? If you own real estate, that's not your primary residence, which mm-hmm. got to be right. what, millions of people who do? They don't, exactly. if you polled them, probably 10% would even have heard of a 1031. Right. What and is that? You know, that is really geographic. There's a geographic difference on that one, right? Oh. Because if you're on the West Coast, it's commonplace. Oh. You sell your investor property, set up escrow, you set up your 1031. You just do it automatically. But here on the East Coast, for whatever reason, they just have not jumped on the 1031 bandwagon. Hmm. And I think that there is a misconception that it's very complicated. When in reality, it's a very simple process. And when you're working with a qualified intermediary, they're going to take care of all the details. They should be holding your hand and walking you through that process so that it's easy for you. And if you're working with a real estate professional, the real estate professional can focus on what they do what they do best, and that's getting you to the closing table. Let the 1031 take care of the details, and it's a really simple process. It's just really a lack of knowledge and, and comfort with it. 1031s are not new. They have been around since 1921. Hmm. So for 97 years, this tax strategy has been available to business owners and investors, and it's designed to encourage you to reinvest. You know, one of the things we didn't talk about is the gain is deferred as long as you own your replacement property. Mm. So you exchange, you buy a new one. If five years down the road, you want to sell that property, if that property is still held for business use or investment, you can exchange again. And there's no Mm. limit to the number of times you could exchange. And as long as you keep exchanging, none of that tax is coming due. If you eventually sell one of the properties you've exchanged into, and don't exchange again, that is when your gain will come due. But let's face it, your listeners are listening because they're real estate investors, they're diehards, they know this is a great investment, and they're gonna hold on to their properties. What happens when we pass away, unfortunately it's inevitable, right? We all have to pass away someday, and our heirs inherit our properties, or all of our assets with a stepped up basis. So that means they inherit it at the current fair market value. That means all the gain that you defer through your 1031 is forgiven at the time of death. And currently, the the first 11, almost $11.2 million of one's estate is exempt from estate taxes. Hmm. And next year, that will go up to 11.4. And eventually, under the new tax reform bill, that is set to go away. So 1031 is not only a way to grow your real estate portfolio with pre-tax dollars, 
but it's also a way to potentially pass it to the next generation without any federal tax liability. Wow. I remember when I received your newsletter and um, I completely agree with you about the concept of being 1031 being a very complex process and blah, blah, blah. And I received your newsletter and I was reading to the articles and I was like, oh my gosh, this is very cool. Let me check. If there's somebody there that is a woman that I could interview and really like break it down. And when I spoke with you and the ladies and I met one of your um, co-workers at the Dig Expo who are women as well, your company majority, how many women work at your company right now? We have 17 women that work here. 17. Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was so happy. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. And one of the things that you mentioned um, on your questionnaire is that you, you have two daughters. The last time that I spoke with you over the phone, you were going to their volleyball practice, which is so cool. And you said that you put their activities on your calendar and you also allowed your employees and coworkers to do the same, to have that flexible schedule. Cause you said, if we are good moms, we'll be better employees. So I want to talk about, I want to shift gears to that part <laughs> right now. And what are, what are the impacts of allowing the moms to be moms in your work? You know, I think that in order for any of us to do a good job at work, we have to be at peace with ourselves, right? And when I first, our company has been around for a long time, but we've sort of had a couple of changes of ownership along the way. We were part of a regional title company that sold to a big national title company. And then in 2010, uh, two of us bought that company back and then we became an independent. And I remember when my daughter first started kindergarten my oldest is now 19 I have three girls and um, she's in college now but when she first started kindergarten she would tell me about all the parties they had at school and all the moms were there and and all of their little brothers and sisters and couldn't I go and I always felt so guilty about that and you know by the time my third one got there I had said you know what I'm gonna be the class mom I'm gonna do that because that's an experience for me, not just my kids. Yeah. And, and making that all work for me showed me how important that was. And if I, could, if I could make it work, I knew that other people could. And we're really fortunate. We do have 17 women that work with us. It's not because we don't hire men. Um, it's just that the majority of our resumes are female. And we have had men work here. And for whatever reason, they no longer work here. But um, it's been a good model. And I will admit, we have a couple of part-timers and we have a, a, a couple of full-timers that I actually recruited through our school Facebook page. I put it out there and said, hey, any of you stay-at-home moms um, looking to work again while the kids are in school? And I make sure they know, hey, if there's a two-hour delay at school, then we're going to have a two-hour delay. Um, if schools are closed, then you can work from home. The kid is sick, you're going to work from home. We try whatever we can to make life more manageable. And it does create a really good team. You know, we have a team that's not only um, dedicated to the growth of our company, 
but they're really dedicated to each other. And we do call it our work family and, and everyone is there to help everybody. And it's a good model and it's worked really well for us. So I feel very blessed. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, Margo, because it's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we talk, you know, Andres and I, one of the reasons why we started this podcast, you know, women, for whatever reason, women are still the, the, at the helm of the balancing act. You know, even if yeah. they're, they're like literally running multi-million dollar businesses, they're still managing all the aspects of, of life, you know, whether they're single or not, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, right. uh, they have help, they don't have help. You're, they're at the realm, the helm of the coordination of, of life. Um, Especially that is correct. If there's kids involved, it's just it's just the way it is. I mean, I I've never spoken to a woman that that's not the case, and they're like, no, no, my partner does 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 all that, and I just I don't know anyone like that. I just don't. And, I can't you know, imagine. That's okay. And that's okay, but it's like okay, if that's the and you know we can go into a whole conversation of why that is, but that's a whole other conversation that you know people have had. But more importantly, how do you make it all work? Like you're saying, and I think being part of a team that understands it, not only understands it, but actually allows you to, to, you know, to be your best self beyond the work is, um, is phenomenal. And I think that's really awesome, especially that you have a culture uh, that, that has that. And I think women need to look for that, you know, if they're not part of something like that now, because um, yeah, you're going to miss things. And, and it's like, okay, how do I make it all work, right? Supportive environment. Right. A lot. And, you know, our turnover rate has been very low. Um, which I think speaks volumes. And, um, you know, if you look at my calendar, there's no secrets. If you look at my calendar, there's plenty of things that are, I'm very, very much about color coordinating my calendar. So there's plenty of pink things that are all related to my daughters. And, or, and fortunately, I have a husband that's ridiculously supportive and, and he jumps in that gives me the ability to go do seminars at night or do something further away or travel or spend time in DC uh, on the hill or whatever it is. Um, so I'm very, very fortunate, but I know that not all of everyone on our team has that same support system. So, you know, we're, we're in for each other. We really yeah. are. That's awesome, Margo. So, you know, the ladies listening, um, you offer such great insight. I mean, we could probably listen to you. I mean, what a, a topic, you know, sometimes you're wondering like with very niche topics, I'm like, wow, are we going to yeah. be able to have like a full interview? But I'm like, I can, be, I can keep talking about this. This is fascinating. You know, I, there's a lot I didn't even know and, and it's just fascinating. So really doing such value for, for investors out there. Where can um, the ladies listening learn more about you and your team and, and really the great work you're up to in this space of 1031s? Sure. Um, well, they can certainly visit our website, which is just www.1031corp, C-O-R-P, so 1031corp.com. Sorry, I woke up with a head cold this morning. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a house full of people coming. Is that there you go. <laughs> um, but they can visit our website. They can also call our office. Um, you know, we have local numbers, but the 800 number is just so easy to remember. It's just 800-828-1031. And any member of our exchange team is always available to help you. And of course, they could reach out to me. They could give me a call on that line. And my email, if they had a question, they could certainly email me directly. It's simply margo at 1031 Corp. And margo is M-A-R-G-O. Perfect. And happy to answer. I'm really good 
about emailing. It might be at one o'clock in the morning because you all know how that works. <laughs> but it always gets done. <laughs> That's awesome. And she does. She does answer. So all, all of this information is going to be on our show notes. So you don't need to write everything down now. Just go there and you just click on the links. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. Are you ready, Margo? I think so. <laughs> okay, let's see. All right, the first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? You know, I just finished a book by, we're a big Villanova fan. Of course, my daughter that goes to Xavier, would rather we embrace Xavier as much as we do Villanova. But I just read Jay Wright's Attitude book. Mm. And, you know, it's all about the attitude, right? Like the day after they won the championship in, 19, in 2016, he said to the basketball players, make sure you're class tomorrow. When most of the student body was still partying, he said, make sure you're a class. It's all about having your priorities straight and, and not getting caught up with everything. And, and I, I really like that book. Great. So a recent one, but good one. Nice. The second question is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Oh, well, I would be lying to say that I feel like it's really balanced. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think that the most important thing you have to do is, is be flexible. And I think one of the hardest things, whether you are the owner of a business or you're a parent, you have to accept that you no longer are in control of your time and you know you could go into your day thinking I'm going to do this this and this and you open up your email or you get that phone call or some other priority pops up and and so you're no longer always in control but the ability to refocus and to to do that balancing is, is super important agree the last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? <sighs> you know, I know it's always a cliche people talk about their mom, but mine was widowed at 41 and raised three girls who are strong and confident and helped us go to school and put all of our needs ahead of hers. And, you know, I just think that that type of sacrifice goes a long way, right? It sets that example. It, it, it shows you what hard work can do and it helps create that work ethic. And, um, you know, today the success that I've had um, has all been earned, right? Nothing has really yeah. just been handed to me. And I appreciate it a whole lot more. And um, so I'm going to stick with my mom. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, and, and it's, it, you, you get connected to that, right? To, to say, okay, I'm, I'm up to this, but it's because of this, because of people that right. show me the way, you know? Exactly. Help, exactly. Help perspective. Yeah, well, I can, I can yeah. To, uh, so just, just say, I can totally relate to that because the same thing happened to my mom. And when somebody asks me that question, I can say somebody else, <laughs> right? It's just yeah. like, okay, but. Yeah. Well, I, whatever it was, you know, whether it was 
working a minimum wage job at McDonald's for years or whatever, you know, she did that. And, and she helped us do, she made sure that we had the things we needed. We didn't always have everything we wanted, but we had everything we needed. Yep. And that's all that really matters. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Need versus want. And we got to have an episode on that topic, Andressa. <laughs> <laughs> well, Margo, thank you so much for, for being on our show and sharing your, your oh, you. tremendous knowledge. You, you, we learned a lot. I'm sure the ladies yes. hearing this and listening will learn a ton. And, and if anyone is in need of a 1031 exchange, you know, team, team, reach out to Margo. They're, they're the real deal. And uh, you'll be in great hands with them. That's very clear here. So thank you again for your time. Thank you for having me and happy Thanksgiving. Yes. yes. Bye. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.